I just returned from a trip to Israel, and as usual, I was blessed by all the things that I saw and experienced. One of the attractions that I enjoy every trip is the musicians. Walking through Jerusalem, you see many people on the main streets playing musical instruments, asking for donations. On this trip, I also saw a crowd of people dressed in costumes dancing down Joppa Street. They were accompanied by a man playing a saxophone and another man with a large drum. There was another man, besides those two, playing a shofar. The dancers were dressed as animals and clowns and were passing out candy in celebration of the upcoming festival of Purim. There's a custom to wear masks and costumes at this festival. In the past, people would wear costumes associated with the story of Esther. Young girls would often dress as a queen, and all the boys wanted to dress as Mordechai. Times have changed, and the costumes are much more varied, and most are not biblical uh, are not biblically based characters anymore. Today we're going to consider masks. There are different types of costumes and masks and disguises. Sometimes a little child wears a mask and he thinks that his parents don't know who he is. But of course, they do recognize him. Sometimes people wear masks to hide their appearance, and it works. But sooner or later, the mask has to come off. Many people are surprised to discover how frequently costumes and masks and disguises are mentioned in the scripture. We'll look at just a few examples today, though there are more. In Genesis chapter 42, Jacob sent his ten sons down to Egypt to buy grain because of the famine. They were not aware that Joseph, who they had sold into slavery, had risen up to become governor of the empire. We're going to read Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 and 7. And Joseph was the governor of the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. In Joseph's case, it doesn't seem that he put on any extra disguise in anticipation of meeting his brothers. He did not expect them to come that particular day, or, for that matter, he didn't expect them to come at all. Yes, he was dressed as an Egyptian, and yes, he spoke Egyptian, but this is how he'd lived for the past few years. He was wearing a mask, though not literally. We see another example in Exodus chapter 34. Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. We're going to read Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses knew not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. While he talked with him, and Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that Yahweh had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before Yahweh to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out, he spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. The children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. In this case, the children of Israel knew who Moses was, even though he had a mask over his face. Moses was wearing a mask, but he was not trying to hide his identity with that mask. 
we'll look at one last example in 1 Kings chapter 14. The story involves Jeroboam, the king of the northern tribes. We read in 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. At that time, Abiyad, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to the wife to be the wife of Jeroboam. Get thee unto Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahiah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and cracknels and a cruise of honey, and go to him. He shall tell thee what shall become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose, and went to Shiloh, and came to the house of Ahiah. But Ahiah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. And Yahweh said to Ahiah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, For it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so when Ahiah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, he, that he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thou thyself to be another, for I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. In this example, the queen wanted to disguise herself, and she believed that her disguise would be effective. In fact, she was trying to hide her identity from someone who was blind. The Almighty told the prophet who she was even before she entered his house. Her disguise did not work. It's been said that the Almighty is hidden, that he disguised himself in the book of Esther. He's not mentioned by name, prayer is not even mentioned. But those who know the Almighty see his hand throughout the book. We can see and feel his presence. The Almighty is not the only one, though, who's hidden in that book. In Esther chapter 2, we read that Mordecai and his cousin Esther were taken captive during the Babylonians. There was a contest for the king to pick a new bride. We read in verse 10, Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. After Hadassah, or Esther, was chosen to be the new queen, we read again in verse 20, Esther had not yet showed her kindred, nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. So Esther's identity was hidden. She wore a mask, if you will, a disguise. She hid the fact that she was Jewish. Haman, Haman, the prime minister, issued an edict that all Jews would die. Mordecai sent a message to his cousin Esther, and she replied that she could not go before the king under penalty of death. Mordecai's reply is found in Esther chapter 4, verses 30, 13 and 14. And Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance rise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Notice that Mordecai said that you, Esther, will not escape. You, Esther, will be doomed as well. He repeats in verse 14, but you will be destroyed. During pre-World War II Germany, many Jewish people did not live as Jews. They adopted the culture and the societal norms of Germany. But when it came time for Hitler's final solution, he saw through their disguise and he determined that they too would perish. God does not want the children of Israel, to assimilate or hide our identity. He gave us a holy calling to be a light to the world. Just as Esther finally revealed to the king that she was Jewish, we must all acknowledge that we are sons of Abraham. We are living proof 
of God's faithfulness. It's important to note that Mordecai's, to, to note Mordecai's warning to Esther. If she continued her disguise, she would perish. Her father's house would perish as well. But if she removed her mask, all of Israel would be saved. Yes, there's a time to take off your mask. Esther was hidden for a while, but she revealed herself. She took off her disguise. In John chapter 9, the scripture describes a man who had been born blind. Yeshua made some clay, rubbed, rubbed it on the man's eyes. The man was healed, and he could see. The Pharisees became furious because Yeshua performed this miracle on Shabbat. The Pharisees called the parents of the blind man to explain the situation. We're going to read in John chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who has opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Judeans. For the Judeans had already agreed that if any man did confess that he was Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. We don't know if the parents were followers of Yeshua, but it appears they were afraid to even repeat what their son had told them. They too were wearing a disguise. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue, so they were afraid to show what they really knew. Their son, on the other hand, was not afraid, and he suffered the fate that all followers of Yeshua were threatened to be to follow at that time. John chapter 9, verses 34 through 38 read, and speaking of the Pharisees, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Yeshua heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Yeshua said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This man who was born blind received his sight. He was cast out of the synagogue, as the Pharisees had threatened as a punishment for his parents, for all believers. But he was saved because he refused to hide behind a mask. He acknowledged his faith in Yeshua's ability to heal him. Paul wrote the following in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm also persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul told Timothy, I know your grandmother's faith, and I know your mother's faith, and I know your faith as well. Paul reminded Timothy that the young man had not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love. Do not be ashamed of the gospel, Paul warned him. Don't wear a mask. Be bold, because people's salvation depends on you, on you being who you are called to be, just as people's salvation depended on Esther being on who she was called to be. Every mask will come off eventually, and if we hide our faith in God, other people are at risk for never hearing the good news. This Purim, wear a costume. Dress as one of the heroes of the story. But remember, 
the mask must come off so people can see who you really are. Happy Purim. <laughs>